I don't know how you guys expect me to be able to talk after that. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I've had several people say to me this morning, so are you excited? And I've been trying to explain. It kind of feels like if you were going away for a month to Europe and you were leaving your grown kids and you know they should all be fine, but <laughs> it's a long way and a long time. I will miss you guys when I'm gone. I will miss you. And I know you're all going to be fine. You are in such good hands, such really good hands. And a lot of work has been done to get ready for this time. Couldn't do it without our board and our staff. And I'm so grateful. So as I get ready to go, I've been thinking about what it means to take this time for me. And going back through some of the Filmorian teachings and... Um, looking more deeply. And if you're visiting for the first time, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore are the founders of Unity, and they, uh, they were some pretty wise people. They taught some pretty good stuff, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but before we do, I want to take a minute and ask you to watch this video. I will post that video on our Facebook page later today in case you want to share it with anybody. It's kind of an interesting metaphor for life, isn't it? Have you ever felt that way? Like God was just waiting to see if you were going to fall off or not? You know, can you make it across that pond, across that path? And when we do fall, and we all do, you know what? Would you turn on, uh, Renee, would you turn on the air conditioning? I see lots of fans going. We can turn it on back there. When we do fall, and we all do at some time, getting up is not always so graceful right away, is it? We're not quite sure what's going to happen when we get up. But once we do, once we kind of find our feet under us again, if we're willing to keep trying, we become more and more and more skilled, don't we? better and better at life, better and better at keeping our balance, better and better at moving forward. So as I look at going away, I'm thinking a lot about balance, about what needs to happen in my life. And I want to leave you with an invitation to consider balance in your own life. Myrtle Fillmore was the heart of the unity movement. She and her husband founded Unity in 1889 in Kansas City, Missouri. Interesting woman, small, frail woman, um, not who you would think of as a big powerhouse who would start a movement with two million people around the world. Not at all a person you would expect to be able to do that. In fact, she was a very sickly woman. Her, she came from a sickly family. And she had a belief because she'd grown up that way that sick is what she was supposed to be. That's how her family was. Until one night when she went to hear a speaker by the name of E.B. Weeks. And she heard a statement that changed her life. And the statement was, 
I am a child of God. I did not inherit illness. I am a child of God. I did not inherit illness. And it changed everything for her. It was a perspective she had never considered. And so she took it home. She took it into her heart and she took it home and she worked with it. And in her great work, she changed her state of health. She was, uh, had been diagnosed with tuberculosis, was struggling quite actively with tuberculosis and was expected to die before she was 40 years old. She lived to be 87. And she did that using some pretty amazing techniques that we're going to talk about today. Before I explain that to you, though, I want to talk to you about the fact that unity has a holy trinity. Just like so many other churches, we have a holy trinity. So you might have heard the holy trinity as mother, father, God, or you might have heard the holy trinity as father, son, holy spirit, or you might have heard the holy trinity as maiden, mother, crone. There are many, many ways that we express three as powerful. And unity has its own. Unity's holy trinity is mind, idea, expression. So let's say it together. Mind, mind idea, idea, expression. So what that means is unity poses God as the divine mind. And we all know that that, that presence, that divine presence, we can call it God, spirit, universal source. There are many life presence. There are many words we can use. We know that it's beyond our human recollection, our human uh, analysis to really define it. But what unity expresses and what the Fillmore's taught is that there is a divine mind. And that divine mind kind of dovetails with our current scientific studies of consciousness. Science is finding out there is a consciousness to life, a consciousness that permeates all things. We call it divine mind. We emerge from that divine mind. So let's assume for the purpose of conversation that this represents God. Those of you from Hawaii will be happy that I'm using these. These are kukui nuts. They're considered very holy and very sacred in Hawaii. So let's assume that God is a circle and that we and all of life, everything that is life, everything there is exists within God which is very different than what some of us were taught, right? Most of us were taught that God was outside of us, that we are separate from God and that our work in life should be to get to God. But for the purpose of today's, un today's understanding, for the purpose of understanding unity teachings, let's assume that this circle represents God and that everything inside of this circle is all consciousness of the divine. And this is all there is. That's it. There is nothing else. Because if we could really show you this, there would be no border. It would just be God. So God is one. We talk about oneness, that we are all part of the oneness that is God. We come from the oneness. So if we come from the oneness, how is it that we show up separate? Well, because it's very easy to make two out of one, isn't it? It's very easy to make two. It's one turn. Is it one or is it two? What does it look like? It looks like two, but it's one. 
It's one. It's always one. When we say we are one with the holy, I don't care what it looks like. We're one with the holy. The holy never gets separated. There is nothing but one. It's just a fold. It's an illusion that we buy into, that we are separate and apart from God. But we're never, ever, ever disconnected. Never. In all things, it's that easy to be back in the oneness. And that little exercise is a prayer I do every time I come up here. Before I start speaking, I make that pattern in my head, that figure eight pattern with my eyes closed, behind my eyes, until I can get the flow steady and easy. And then I slowly fold it open and walk through. And remember that I am at one with all that is. I do that same prayer before I start any meditation. Myrtle had a way of praying too. She put a chair next to her, across from her actually, and she asked for the divine idea to be in that chair. So we have the divine mind and the divine mind is a consciousness with the ability to perceive a divine idea, a divine and holy idea that is perfect. Charles Fillmore said that divine idea was Jesus, the perfect, perfect idea. So divine mind, divine idea. Divine idea is a great thing. We all have divine ideas every day. But the concept of the Christ meant nothing when it was a concept. We have lots of concepts, don't we? Lots of things we'd like to invent. Means nothing while it's up here. What changes everything is expression, which is the third piece of the Trinity. Divine mind, divine idea, expresses. The divine idea that was Jesus the Christ expressed through a man. It is a pattern that we follow. Divine mind exists it inspires the concept that is us and then embodies this physical form. We are the expression of God. We are the living manifestation of the holy. If you're visiting, that's a very different idea than what you might have heard in another church. But if you think about it, that whole book, that whole holy book that we follow that's supposed to tell us what we are supposed to do requires us being in this body, doesn't it? To do it. Jesus didn't sit up on a cloud and heal people or forgive people or love people or offer compassion. He did it through a physical form. So we talk about the idea of being God expressing, but I am here today to challenge you to be it and stop talking about it. I'm here to invite you to consider what it means to be the divine expression. So I want you to say some things with me. Say, I am breathing. I am comfortable. I am strong. I am happy. I am God expressing. Think about what you just said. 
Now look back over your last week and ask yourself, have you been God-expressing? Really been God-expressing? Um, most of you know I, I do a radio show. It's called In Good Faith. And it's a demonstration of interfaith dialogue. And I had the chance this week to talk with several people of other faiths as part of the show. And one of the evangelical ministers who was on our panel, we were talking about how people get through this political time, how we, get, how we move through this, and, which is a big topic to talk about. It's a really big one. And he said, I'm so proud of my ministry. He stood in front of 5,000 people last week, and he said, stop scaring your children. Stop scaring your children. Stop talking like it's the end of the world. Stop saying you're going to move out of the country and the country is going to crumble. Stop, stop, stop scaring the children. Stop saying that they can't trust anybody. Stop. Give your children a message of hope. Tell them there is a greater source. Tell them the world will be fine. Tell them we're all in this together and we will find our way through. We might fall off but we're going to get back up. Stop scaring the children. Are you being God expressing? In all that you do, are you holding your power and being who you really are? That's the great challenge, isn't it? That's why we come together every Sunday, so we can pick up tools, so God can start playing the violin for us again. Because we fell off last week and we got to start again. It's part of life. We're not always going to be the perfect expression. But there are times that we will be. And when we are, we will change the very fabric of existence. That's our objective. When you say to yourself, what is my purpose for being here? Why am I here? That's why. To be the moving hands, the heart, the eyes, the spirit, the love, that is God. That's what we're doing. And when we are that, we heal ourselves and we heal the people around us. And we heal our cities and our states and our nation and our world. So when you came in today, you got a piece of paper. And it's called Myrtle Fillmore's Healing Meditation. Because the thing is this, in order to be who we are, which is the third face of the Trinity, we have to create a perfect temple. The thing that gets in the way most often of us being able to be the great expression of the divine idea is that we don't take very good care of this temple. We have to bless this temple, bless it, care for it, treat it well. And that's what Myrtle did to cure herself of tuberculosis. And after it worked for, Mid for Myrtle, Charles, who was kind of a skeptical guy, said, if it worked for her, it ought to work for me. Otherwise, it was a fluke. If it doesn't work for everybody, it's not real. He had uh, one leg three inches shorter than the other, walked with a three-inch lift in his shoe because of an accident in his youth that stunted his growth and stopped that leg from growing. 
Over the course of his life, that lift got lower and lower and lower until at the end of his life, it was less than half an inch. Now, there is something to be said for what we know about shrinking with age. There is some compression in the spine. You will shrink some, not two and a half inches. No. So much changed for Myrtle and Charles because they became God-expressing. There are two million people still learning from what they taught because they made time. So to do this whole exercise, and you can read through it, to do this whole exercise took Myrtle an hour and she would put a chair in front of her and she would ask for the Christ energy to be with her. And then she would begin taking that energy, using that energy to bless every aspect of her being, to truly bless the temple with these words to truly bring life-giving love into her body. And it changed everything about her life, everything about Charles' life. All of the people around her were changed. The world is different because of the work that Charles and Myrtle did. The world can be different. And this was a frail little tiny woman and a short little guy who was born on an Indian reservation These were not, you would not look and go, man, he could be James Bond. (laughs) That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about a very humble couple who really did the work. They paid, P-A-I-D. They paid attention. Myrtle spent an hour every day doing this meditation. Charles was known to spend two to four hours in the stillness working with the divine. You have to make time for this. This isn't something that happens because you intend it. It's something that happens because you do it, because you make it happen. And we can talk. I've been here. This is my sixth year, five and a half years I've been here. And we've been talking. And we can talk for another five and a half. But when we do the work... We will express God fully and the world will be different. And that's what I'm going to be doing this summer. I'm going to be spending time with this. Spending time doing this work. Spending time for the quiet and the silence, which is sometimes hard to find when you're busy in service to community. And that's why ministers go away. Because our work here takes so much that to do this work, there has to be time. That's why Jesus went away. Because there has to be quiet time. So I want to invite you to do the work with me. I want to invite you to spend your summer remembering who you really are. Really being God expressing. And if you fall off, remember that fiddle player is right there. Ready to start again. And the music is beautiful. And with a little practice you can do anything. I have some quotes for you. Myrtle Fillmore said, daily, declare that your spiritual life and world, your mental life and world, and your physical life and world are unified, and that you are expressing harmoniously the ideas of the Christ mind on these three planes. Charles Fillmore said, what we increase whatever we praise. The whole creation responds to praise and is glad. Louise Hay said, life is very simple. 
What I give out comes back to me. Emmett Fox said, whenever you are afraid of something, you are worshiping it. Whatever you fear, you bow down to and give it power. Charles Fillmore said, the highest and best work of imagination is the marvelous transformation that it works in character. Imagine that you are the one with the principle of good and you will become truly good. And finally, Ernest Holmes said, I am guided by the same intelligence and inspired by the same imagination which scatters the moonbeams across the waves and holds the forces of nature in its grasp.